Edinburgh, Scotland, across the globe. You're listening to Hattrick and Ramsey Unleashed, the People's Podcast. Here to rock the podcast world. Good evening to the Hadrick and Ramsey Unleashed podcast show. It's uh, Fraser in the hot seat with another guest co-host on the line. It's been a great Saturday. It's been a nice sort of sunny day today. It's been well, not really too sunny, but it's been pleasant. It's been warm. After the last few weeks, it's been absolutely Baltic. And, well, it's cold, just in case you're not from Scotland. Um, but it's been finally a nice day. Spring <clears throat> has arrived. Can't wait for summer because we all need some heat because at the moment it's just been cold and we like some sunshine, fresh, glorious rays to chop up the suntan if you're in Scotland like me who's takes a week to get white after because I look a bit blue in the winter. So anyway, that's just me. Uh, but welcome to the guest co-host on the line all the way from London. Is London? Yes. Caroline? Hello. Hello, Fraser. Yes. Uh, thank you so much for having me. This is Caroline Zamano, all the way from London, uh, on the phone. So how, how is things going? How's your day been? What's been happening? It's it's been exciting today because um, we've we've seen quite a healthy amount of sunshine. That's good. Um, with uh, corresponding warmth, so it's it's been pretty good. So that's that's kind of uh, optimistic. Good thing about London. London tends to get the um, most of the the better weather than up here because you're obviously further south. Which is absolutely, bit, we tend to get the best. I think. Yeah, which is rather frustrating for us because it's like we get that. We always get the the kind of Scandinavian east weather sometimes, which comes down if we do get a rubbish day. And it's in London bakes. We tend to go. We look out the window and go right. Okay. Typical day in Scotland, it's dull, and that's about it. But we do get nice times over here. We do get it occasionally. But anyway, let's not talk about the weather too much. Let's get into the the main uh, the main thing of why you're you're here. But we'll come into that in part of the show. Caroline is a breast cancer survivor, and she'll be talking about um, the charity that's been she's part of, and um, and about that. Also talking about her pre. Um, cancer and what she did before she got cancer um, and obviously during it and what she does now and what she's the charity is aiming for and who they're targeting um, so we're going to come into that in the show later on, we'll have some music a mixed mag of music, uh, some upbeat some softer stuff, a bit more because it's the, due to the topic but first thing before we kick off um, quick question, Syria you've, breaking news, if you haven't seen it on the news all over, America Britain and France I've started airstrikes in Syria. Caroline, have you been watching the news? I, I have been watching the news, Fraser, and um, to be honest, um, I, I just can't get my head around it. Um, I, I don't have a full understanding of the conflict in Syria because um, I, I, I just think it's, it's really one of those regions in the world that is very difficult to understand. Because you've got so many different factions of people um, dotted around the reasons why they're fighting this war and everything. So it it confuses me even more when when we have um, the UK, France, America uh, getting in at at quite a later stage of the game. Um, You know, I, I... 
I, I, I've never known wars to stop war. Yes. Ultimately, after the war has been drawn out, even if it's a 30-year war, ultimately it's always been dialogue that solves issues. I think the... Uh, I think the scenario is that what it was is Assad, as in Syria, were basically t- finishing off ISIS. They were t- taking them out. Uh, but now, because of the way they're using chemical weapons on their own people, it's obviously uh, it's basically um, caught the eye of the, the Western world. And basically by saying this is enough is enough, we have to uh, come and get you, basically, because it shouldn't be happening. Because of humanity yeah. reasons, but the thing is, if we just held her, is I know they shouldn't be doing it, but in a sense, would we not be better to get rid of ISIS completely and uh, carry? Even though you may want to come and bomb you afterwards, but would you not be better just to sort of say, well, listen, just sit back, hold your nose, and let them get rid of ISIS first? Because by bombing Syria and targeting Assad, it's going to weaken his forces to target and uh, allows ISIS to continue growing up again, uh, mm. building up again. So what's, what do you think of that? I, I, well, I, I hope it, you know, I hope it, it happens because my, my point, which is debatable, is, is that I think he, he was left to, to <laughs> he was left to, to flourish in, in his desire and position for, for quite a long time. And I think this intervention should have been earlier rather than later. I think um, the countries that could have stopped him should have been more heavy-handed with him right from the beginning, not to wait for things to roll out. And like I said, that is just my thought, and it's completely open to debate. It is. But I, I, I think we've left it too long, and there's been too much lost in the process of it all, there's been too many innocent lives destroyed. And I, I think it's, 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 it's probably the best thing to do now, but it's probably not the most timely of interventions, if, if you know what I mean. Yeah, exactly. Well, uh, obviously, a lot of people around the world who are listening to this uh, have obviously seen the news and will have their own opinion whether uh, doing airstrikes is the right or wrong thing. Hey, it's political ways of doing things. It is bizarre, but in the day, should it be right that people are innocent kids are being bombed by their own leader, dictatorship, or should we just go out? It's like a a very great area at the moment due to the fact that we're trying to get rid of ISIS and hopefully not then let build up again. But anyway, that's another topic. Main thing is we're going to get into the topic. We are going to be talking about cancer, cancer survivor uh, Caroline uh, Zamano. But before we kick off into that, we are going to play some music. I've got a variety. I've got Creed, which is my sacrifice. I don't know if you've heard it. you ever listened to Creed? Have you ever heard of Creed at all? Do what kind of music? No. Listen to? No? Okay. I'll, I'll be interested in, in uh, listening to that. A little bit heavy. Not rock, heavy rock, but it's rock. Um, but a good, good, good song. We've got Bavarian Cara, Flashdance, to liven things up later on in the show. I've got uh, I've mixed back. I've got No Way Out, which is a, which obviously with cancer, it's no easy way out and things. Uh, got uh, let's hear it for the boy Denise Williams a trusty catchy tune um, I've got the Pretenders I'll stand by you and we have Carly Simon and nobody does it better which is a Bond theme which is a really good song so uh, first I yeah but mixed but first I'll kick off with Creed really good song and uh, um, as I say we'll be back after this tune by Creed my sacrifice.
Chicken Ramsey on this podcast show on heartsonglive.co.uk that was Creed My Sacrifice we have guest co-host on the phone Caroline Zamano, so how are you doing today? you still cooking my gas? you still there? hello? hello hello, hello. okay um, yes, so um, tell us you, uh, tell us about you tell us who you are tell us your life before you got cancer and tell us obviously where you're from and uh, what you do and what you do, life before you got cancer right okay so um, I I am originally from Zimbabwe and obviously immigrated to the United Kingdom and I'd been living in the United Kingdom for almost like 15 years and getting on with my life, um, making plans, you know, as I was getting older and my children were getting older, making plans to have a more exciting life, traveling and, and things like that. I have always worked in social care, so I've always worked around helping people. I work with young people in care, just trying to see if I can influence a change in their lives. Um, and, and support them to, to understand the world around them. Um, so I was doing that, but at the same time, I was just that kind of person that was so full of energy, going around doing other things apart from my main job and um, and enrolling into university. So I was, um, I was doing what they call master of ceremony for events, or I call myself mistress of ceremony. So I would do that for weddings and, you know, birthday parties and all that part-time. Uh, on the other hand, I would also take on some small jobs, you know, helping people um, in their homes, maybe doing a bit of cleaning here and there. And all that was to sort of support my um, extended family, back home in, in Zimbabwe. So, you know, I was just that kind of person that was really very energetic and going about and very healthy. The only time that I can actually remember ever going to hospital was the um, time that I gave birth to, to my two children. Those are the only times that I ever went into hospital. So I was generally a very healthy person. And, um, and I think my experiences of... Uh, people who are unwell were quite 
remote. I mean, it was either, you know, someone who's ill in Zimbabwe or somebody that I just hear about. Um, and, and, and that was about it. So you can imagine I was just getting on with my life, being a mother, being a wife, being an aunt, a friend, and, and, and playing that role quite actively. Okay. <clears throat> so uh, when, when was the stage, what, when you found out that you, I mean, what was, did you find a lump or something when you got cancer? Did you, uh, how did you find out you got diagnosed with it? Okay, so I'll, I'll start you off from when I'm on a shift. So I used to do like um, uh, a sleep shift. You do a shift and then you'd sleep over. So in the morning, as you do, you have a shower to set yourself out for, for the rest of the day. Sure. So while having a shower, I just sort of raised my left arm to wash my underarm. Sure. And my thumb brushed against this lump. Right. And I, when I look back, it's, it's always quite a poignant moment for me because um, I've never understood whether that lump had been there the previous day because obviously the way I wash is the same every day. Yes. So I, I've always wondered, and I think I'll wonder forever, because I don't know whether that lump had been there the previous day or not, but that was the day that I actually discovered this lump. And um, my, my first reaction was, okay, did I just feel something there? Right. And then the next thing was, okay, I think I need to ask my colleague to confirm this because I'm not sure what's happening here. So I made myself decent, went into the office, and um, I, I said to my colleague, who is a really good friend of mine as well, I said to him, can you just put your finger on here and tell me what you feel. So he looks at me uh, and he says to me, Mrs. Zaman, you're a married woman. So I said, look, forget that. Just put your finger there. And he did. Mm-hmm. I could just see the way he reacted on his face. Mm-hmm. He, he didn't want to confirm it. So he just gently said to me, well, it, you know, it, it just feels like there is something there. Maybe you should just get it checked out. Right, okay. So that was the beginning of quite a long journey because after that I made an appointment with the GP. And at that point, to be honest, I wasn't thinking that it was going to be anything more than just maybe being told that, oh, you know, it's just a a little lump that will go away or it's just a benign something. So I confidently made an appointment, went to my GP, um, he he was of the impression that, you know, it wasn't the typical lump that would make him panic. But I kind of insisted and I said to him, well, now that we've found it, whether it's typical or not, maybe the best thing is just to proceed to have, you know, the relevant test that can confirm mm-hmm. that it's not or it is. So um, within a very short period of time, um, I had been referred and I went for a mammogram and um, and a scan. And then I was advised to have a biopsy as well. Mm-hmm. We've been sort of like under, under two weeks, I was sitting in, the one, in one of the um, surgeon's offices sure. at, 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 at my local hospital. Mm-hmm. And um, he asked me, 
you know, if I'd come with someone. So I said to him, well, I came with my husband, but he's, he's parking the car. And at this point, he said, well, we'll have to wait for him. I, you'd think that at that point you'd start panicking, but to be honest, I didn't. Right. Because, you see, the thing is, you never ever think that this will happen to you. Mm-hmm. These are the things that happen to other people. It, it happens next door. It happens to every other person except you. Yeah. So, you know, he, he, he got in within a short while. And then, oh, to be honest with you, the next five minutes, the, the difference between the first five minutes that I walked into that surgery mm-hmm. to the last five minutes that I walked out, I cannot believe how my life changed. I mean, was the two, for the two weeks waiting, the, for those two weeks waiting to get the results must have been the longest two weeks of a long time. I mean, knowing that you've had a biopsy done, but having to wait for the results, and then that must have been horrendous for you. It, it, it is a horrendous time, because I I think even though you hope that it's not, you, you cannot help but wonder if it is. So you're fluctuating between a world of hope and fear, mm-hmm. you know. So, yes, it, it was the longest two weeks of my life. Um, but then it was it was broken to me that this, this, this was the situation. And um, like they do, which, which I must mention at this point, that it is something that I look back on and really, really appreciate that we have a system in this country mm-hmm. that works in the way that it does because, um, you know, I was then referred to a cancer nurse who took me to a nice therapeutic room to explain to me mm-hmm. what was happening and what the journey was going to be like. So I, I, I really do hold on to that and I, I, I appreciate that so much because as we go with the conversation, you'll understand the difference that I'm talking about here. Okay. What? Uh, so, just got, what? What kind? I know it's obviously it was breast cancer, but what's was it, was there a kind of cancer it was? It was just a general, as it because obviously cancer comes in many forms, uh, not but they usually have um, small cell or large cell cancer. Did you know what, what it was, or just because it was a lump? So um, it was confirmed that it was breast cancer. Mm-hmm. It it was at, at that point they didn't really tell me about you know mm-hmm. the, the the stage or grade or anything like that. They just said to me after surgery we'll be able to give you more information. Mm-hmm. So from from then on you know the journey started where I waited for the date to I waited to be given the date for surgery and everything, and that that happened uh, quite successfully. Um, then after that, that's when I was told that, you know, it was stage three cancer. Um, it was a, a, a very aggressive form of cancer because it was um, it was an invasive ductal, if, you know, people can always look that up, invasive ductal carcinoma. And I was also what they call triple negative, and that is quite common in, in black and, and Asian um, people, 
um, that kind of triple negative kind of cancer. So um, that was one of, of the things that I was facing, that it was that type of cancer, which meant I did not um, benefit from tablets like other people get for five years after treatment or anything like that. I would only be looking at having radiotherapy and chemotherapy. So, the, oh, did you? Leave, I'm guessing you went through the process of losing your hair as well. Yes, or some people don't. Right. This 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 journey um, started off looking easy for me because I had surgery and then I had eight weeks to recover from that, mm. and then quite quickly after that, I started chemotherapy. Mm. And unfortunately for me, the. the the, the other experiences that people have quite later on in treatment, I had very quickly. I lost my hair in the first phase of treatment. Mm -hmm. And it was, it, it was a, a moment that you start feeling that you are losing control of yourself because I had locks. Like you know the the African locks, yeah, dreadlocks, kind of, yeah. You know the dreadlocks. Yes. So I had dreadlocks that I had um, I had grown for almost six years, right? And um, you know they they become something very very much a part of you, mm. a very personal possession that you're very proud of, and. I just lost them while sitting on, 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 on my sofa at home, just moved my head and just fell, felt my hair on my neck. Right. And that was it. And that was the beginning of losing so many other things. And people who've been on my blog, uh, and that blog is called um, Team Carol Arise for Life, um, I, I put pictures there of the whole journey. So I put pictures of how I lost my hair, how I lost my nails, nails. how wow. I became, because I had a hyperpigmentation, which is discoloring of the tongue under my feet, on my hands. And this is not unique. This, this is an experience that a lot of people have had. But when, when you're in that situation, you're not thinking about how it applies to thousands and thousands of other people. You're thinking about what it's doing to you as a person. When this is all, obviously the change in your body and what's happening due to the treatment, um, I, mean, I mean, thinking, when I mean, you're sitting there, what you're thinking, well, this is <laughs> this journey I'm going through, what, am I going to survive? Am I not going to survive? What's really? I mean, your thoughts must be all over the place. You must be kind of in a complete daze, or you just. I mean, what are you feeling? Right. It it was very very um, difficult because cancer, as a disease in its own nature, is a very lonely place to be. Mm -hmm. So, because it's very unpredictable in the way it it goes. They cannot say to you, this is just how it's going to go. It's very unpredictable because treatment can trigger a lot of other problems for you. So there were days like that where you'd sit down and you'd be alone because quite quickly, life has to carry on. People have to go to work. The children have to go to school. Your friends have to go to work. So you will have days when you're sitting by yourself and thinking about what is going on. And you, you are thinking that, Last month was easier than this month. This chemo cycle 
is more difficult than it was last month, what's going to happen. And then with all the complications that I had, because I had a lot of reactions to, to, to medication, and sometimes I would go to the hospital and and be told that things were not going very well. Mm-hmm. And so it means that I had a lot of those days when I used to sort of like see myself uh, preparing for the worst right. rather than, you know, for, for, for the best. So I had a lot of moments, a lot of very precarious moments where I knew that I, I could have lost my life. Mm-hmm. Um, I- and And... How long was your treatment session before it started? At what point did it actually turn a corner to know that you're actually going to get better? I mean, how long was the process? How many weeks, months of getting chemo, radiotherapy did you realise that you've now turned a corner, you're going to get better? I mean, obviously leading up to that must have been brutal, to say the least, and absolutely scary. So where, at what point, I mean, going to, obviously, no, no, I'm not... I, for me, I've never had cancer, and, uh, but I have lost my mum to cancer, hence why I'm passionate about what it is. But um, mm-hmm. just in going through that that process, uh, it must be really hard. It, it, it is, and I'm, I'm really sorry um, to hear about your mum. Mm-hmm. It, it, it is a very, very difficult journey um, because it, it, it's supposed to be treatment that you're going through. Um, and yet it, it, it is actually the source of many of your problems while you're on the treatment. Um, but around the last session of my chemotherapy, um, I was still having quite a few problems with my breathing, and I went into hospital for them to rule out pulmonary embolism, which, which can be quite fatal mm-hmm. if, if, if that goes unnoticed. Incidentally, when I had a scan, they realized that I had something lodged within my chest. Right. So this is a time when I'm beginning to look up a bit and saying, okay, I might be having all these problems, but at least I've gone through chemotherapy, which at some point they thought I wouldn't be able to finish, but I've actually finished and things are looking up and I'll be starting radiotherapy. And then they tell me that, they need to do another scan because they have to see what is going on. And at that time, they discovered I had a tumor oh my in my chest, which they called a thymoma. Right. So that was the beginning of another issue for me um, because they didn't know whether this was going to be just a tumor that was well-behaved or whether they were looking at another cancer, whether I was going to need further chemotherapy. Mm-hmm. So the worst time of my life was supposed to be the best time of my life where you're saying, look, I've finished my chemotherapy, my cancer markers are lower, and it, it's looking up. So that started a whole new journey for me because they they had to plan uh, another pathway for my treatment. So they had to say, okay, you're going to start radiotherapy uh, do your 23 sessions of radiotherapy and we'll give you a little break to give your body a chance. And then we have to have surgery to remove this lump um, in your chest. Mm-hmm. Uh, mind you, they are working with a situation where they don't want to wait too long either 
right. before they they do the surgery to remove this tumor. Mm-hmm. So um, we we did that, but that was another source of worry for me because the kind of surgery that they had to do was to open my chest. Right. It it wasn't a, a small operation. It was a, quite a major operation, and unfortunately, as much as. Um, technology is so good in terms of uh, helping us to access certain things. Sometimes it's not actually a good thing because I went to read about it and I went to read about the kind of surgery that they were going to to do. And I found, um, I found on YouTube mm-hmm. someone actually undergoing that surgery and I went to look at it and that was the biggest mistake of my life. Wow. Let's uh, well, what do you, hold that thought for there. We'll come back after Stand By You from the Pretenders uh, and we get the outcome of your surgery of this part of the story because this is very, very good. And if you're listening, uh, shout out to people who are listening who on Facebook from uh, out there with Lynn, who's a friend of uh, Caroline's, uh, who's a nurse um, as well. There's Chip Chitiwa, he was she was on the show last week. There's uh, Marsha Watson, people who have been kind of following, and uh, and anybody else who's out there. Thank you for listening. If you are listening to the show, uh, we'll be back to find out the outcome of this of what happened with the second with the surgery and things of the second lump uh, after this song. So we'll be back uh, after the pretenders. I'll stand by you.
This is Heartsome Live Radio. Edinburgh Scotland's number one inspirational station. And welcome back to the Hatrick and Ramsey Leach podcast show on heartsonlive.co.uk. Uh, we've just been, we've got Caroline, our guest co-host on the phone from London. Um, just been talking about her, her surgery, her chemotherapy and radiotherapy. We're now at the stage of, she had to get a second operation regarding a tumour in her chest and she was watching a video on YouTube uh, regarding this operation. Uh, and we're going to go into a bit more depth about it into this, this stage. So Caroline, tell us, carry on from this after watching the YouTube video thank you Fraser so um, okay I made that mistake and I had to leave with the knowledge of knowing what I was going to go through um, after my radiotherapy so in January 2016 I went to Guy's Hospital and I I had that tumour taken out and thank God because um, it was what they call a well-behaved um, it, it was safely in a, in a sack and it was safe. So they just took it out. It was the size of an egg. And, um, you know, that, that was that. They're monitoring it. They, they monitor it every six months. I have a scan just to, you know, they don't want to miss it if it, if it regrows. So, um, so the, the overall journey was so full of twists and turns that, you know, you you begin to think, mm, you know, what, what's going on here? And the, the, the worst of those is just the living with the fear of dying. Um, and I don't think anyone is ever really ready. So you, you are constantly thinking about that and constantly um, almost bargaining with God and saying, I, I, I need to leave. I need, I need to leave to tell a story. I need to leave to, to make myself a better person and do something with, with what I've gone through. And, um, and, you know, thank God I'm here to, to talk about it today. So you've obviously, you, when did this sort of get to that point now that you've had radiotherapy, you've had chemotherapy, the, all the tests are kind of coming to an end and you just have to wait. And when did you get this sort of nod to say you're going to be in remission, that's it? This is, you are clear, your survivor of cancer. When did you get to that sort of stage? Right. So um, around after the, the, the surgery in January, it was another four months. And, um, oh, God, I, I, I relived that moment. So I went... Um, to find out what the verdict was, and uh, and my bless her, my consultant is is one of the best. You know, she she said to me, "I am so happy that I can sit here and give you probably the first piece of good news from since we started this journey. I am so happy to tell you that we've got it all under control." And you are currently clear of cancer. Fantastic. That moment, I, I don't think, I've, I've never won the lottery and I've never met anybody who has. <laughs> but I can only sort of equate it to that, you know, just knowing that you'll never even worry about a penny in your life. I think that's, that's how I felt at that moment. Um, just to think that all that pain was worth it. 
and we we are getting to a point where we can be positive you know even though obviously for you know people who have survived um breast cancer will, will tell you that the journey is not finished when you get that because your body has undergone so much trauma and there's so much to catch up with and there are so many changes that are uh, uh, lifetime changes that will never go away but the fact that you have your life and you have another chance to it is it's just amazing so after the good news that you've got rid of the cancer um what was your obviously the process now is it leading up to you've got the charity that you're part of or are you actually start I'm presuming you started or a uh, part of um and the whole purpose of it I mean you obviously must be well before you must be celebrating you must be like in a let's book a holiday and we're going to go on holiday and we're going to have fun relax because it's been absolutely crazy uh, and all this and going through having to batter your body with treatment from chemotherapy and radiotherapy and obviously a shout out to Shannon Griffin who, who is a breast cancer survivor as well and she was she understands the process with all the stuff and losing your hair and the the, the treatment and also do you have with the like she has do you have weakness in your arm or certain because sometimes the treatment can cause you problems afterwards from like darker mm. darker burnt like it because it basically fries you the the radiotherapy and the stuff the stuff they give you so it kind of burns your skin and she she's got or her skin's darker in parts because of the treatment she's had and she's got slight weakness in certain areas because of the treatment but do you have that similar symptoms as well? I, I do I do. So, like I said before, um, you know, all the things that I sort of spoke about are not unique to an individual. Um, it's the same medication, so it tends to affect people more or less the same way, even though it might be worse for others and, and less for others. Um, but, yes, I do have a weakness in my left arm, which is the side where I had the surgery and where I had the lymph nodes taken out. Um, and, you know, the, the, the second part of the, the chemotherapy treatment um, was the worst in terms of really um, altering my body. So I, I, I no longer have the same energy that I used to have. My mobility is not at its best. Um, I, I really, really struggle with, with my legs at night, you know, in the middle of winter when other people are really sort of like pulled up in bed. I have to stretch my legs because they're so hot and um, I'm, I'm just struggling to, to cool them down and things like that. So there's a lot of things that you you have to live with after that. But I think what, what keeps people going is the fact that None of that compares to losing your life totally. You you have the problems, but at least you're alive. Yeah, of course. I mean, as, so I think that is quite a consolation. Do you, as you're saying, your life sometimes get too hot? Do you sometimes get your, your temperature kind of your, you sometimes you feel cold when it's really hot or something outside or vice versa? Because uh, I've been speaking to Shannon, she's, she finds sometimes you can be really cold because of the, the treatment you've had. Or you can you get like hot flushes, but it's not through choice. It's because of the treatments, the after effects in your body, because you're basically well, you've got radiation inside you, kind of thing, you know. Certainly, I I do know that I'm more sensitive to um, 
to 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 heat outside like the sunshine and all that and i i certainly had that experience when i went on holiday to dubai which was really really hot um and i know that i'm extra sensitive to 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 the sun now i think because of the radiotherapy so um the, the cold yes i do feel colder than other people because i've been in offices where I've, i've literally had to go to my own corner because i'm colder and they want the windows open and things like that um but certainly i'm more sensitive to 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 um sunshine and i'm also more sensitive to any form of pain like when when i need an injection done or a syringe put in I'm more sensitive to that than I used to be. Right. So there's there's more of a tenderness on on your skin than you 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 had previously. So there's a little there's there's quite um little changes, subtle changes in the 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 being of you. You you are no longer the same and every day you discover new things. that are no longer the same on you because remember some things you don't do every day but the the day that you do something you realize that actually I'm I'm not the same anymore mm-hmm. just sometimes just walking a distance you stop and you realize that wait a minute five years ago I could walk this distance like it was nothing but now it's it's more taxing mm-hmm. you know it's it's more of a job than it it should normally be so yes it it changes you in so many many ways and it's not easy for people to understand that because i think the joy the joy that you share with people that i'm clear i've been cleared and um i've i've lived i've survived they expect to have you back the way you used to be So they are more expectant of you being the usual you. I used to be the kind of person that would go to a party and want to help, want to clear up, want to to do everything that is being done. And all of a sudden, I there are days that I'm just not able to do that. I just need to sit down and and just listen to my body. Okay. We're going to go more to talk about we I think we probably will run over time tonight but is this is just too good what we're going to talk about next uh, after a song is uh, we are talking about the team Carol Foundation which uh, Caroline's part of and the what they're about they target more the ethnic minorities regarding and also the church leaders uh, we're going to get more mm-hmm. insight to that and why uh, and obviously there's an event coming up as well um But I mean, for, this, uh, this is for me. This is um, this is for me having lost somebody to cancer. This is opening old wounds for me, and uh, uh, emotional. And emotions are running high through me. Mm. I'm doing this is not easy. Um, and the good thing about cancer, that no, sorry, that nobody does it better uh, when we're sorry. <laughs> Oh, I'm just, really sorry, Fraser. Oh, no, no, I'm really is, sorry. Don't apologize. Don't apologize. Uh, this has just caught me right off guard, but it's been a good one. But we're going to play Carly Simon, which is nobody does it better. It's a bond, a bond theme. Um, because technically people who have got cancer, nobody does do it better than them. And for those who are survivors, it's, yeah, nobody does do it better. So we'll be back after this. Music. 
Back to the Hearts and Rams English podcast show on HeartsongLive.co.uk, Edinburgh's number one inspirational radio station. Um, we're at stage now with Caroline, who is a guest co-host. We appreciate her being part of our guest, our guest co-host uh, this this Saturday night. We're going to talk about the next stage after she has been cleared, and we're going to talk about Team Carol Foundation and what it's all about. So, Caroline, please tell us what's going on with Team Carol. Okay, so um, what I always want to do, um, is to help people understand where this idea came from and why we are where we are today. So um, during 
my journey with with cancer, I had support. And this support is not your everyday support. This support, till today, I do not understand how I got that kind of support, that level of support. People who were friends became family. People who were colleagues became friends. People that I didn't know, I got to know. And it was just phenomenal. And it made me think on the days that I had time on my hands to think. It made me think about the people that I was meeting while I was going to my hospital visits who had no one. People that were turning up for their chemotherapy all by themselves. When I spoke to them, they would tell me that their children live in New Zealand or Canada. And... um, some of them were living in places. We, we all know what has happened, um, that demographically people have, have lived in places where they know no one. And I started to think about all these people that had absolutely nobody. And I had so, so many people. And um, that birthed the idea that I needed to support people because I realized that there was a gap there were people that did have what I had. So this is where the idea of the Tim Carroll uh, Foundation came from. So it started off as, as a blog on Facebook where I thought I can use Facebook to raise awareness, talk to people about my journey and probably just help somebody. Um, it was more about talking about checking our breasts and knowing the signs and symptoms of, can- of breast cancer. But... It, it quickly became an idea for something better, for a movement. So I, I dreamt of a movement, not, not just a, a small charity, but a movement, a whole movement everywhere to help um, cancer patients. So, and, and this is why it's called the Team Carol Foundation, because without that word team, I feel that I, I would have left out so many people that were there for me in so many ways, sometimes just by reaching out um, in, 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 in a message on Facebook or just texting me. So I've, I've gone to events where I've just met people who've come to me and said, we know you from Facebook. We know you from your blog. Mm-hmm. And, and those people are part of that team. So I thought it was very important for me to just point out where the idea came from. Now, the, the Tim Carroll Foundation was launched last year. We, we had our launch last year. And um, the idea of the Tim Carroll Foundation is to support cancer patients and their families in, in ways that are responsive to their needs at that moment as we can respond to them. It is to support families to be able to communicate and break the news to their loved ones, more so children, because a lot of people struggle with delivering this kind of news to children. So we support that and we encourage that. Um, We also work with religious groups, and this I think this is the biggest part of our work at the moment, Mm -hmm. coming from... Uh, an ethnic minority background myself, there are a lot of problems that we will talk about as we we carry on. But we are trying to work with religious leaders to encourage and act, a pray and act attitude 
towards cancer treatment. Why? Because we know that there are many, many people that have lost their lives because a minister of the church or, or a part of the church has told them that they've prayed for them and God has told them that they're going to be well. They don't have to go for treatment. They don't have to um, take their medication. So they can just walk away and everything is okay. People have lost their lives. So we are working hard with religious groups. And we've been fortunate enough that the response has been positive. It has been quite high, where we've gone and spoken to women in groups about breast cancer in particular. Mm -hmm. And we we have uh, raised awareness of, of what it is and tried to explain that miracles, the, the miracle that you should expect in your life when you get a breast cancer diagnosis, is to have access to the medical attention that you need. Mm. Well, tell us, have you ever had, now you said about church leaders, obviously you were the ones who say, well, we'll pray for you, and they end up saying you're not, you're not with the cancer. Um, have you ever had an actual confrontation at all with any of these church leaders by saying, this person needs to get treatment. And have you ever, have you ever had a standoff at all or a disagreement? Because they, some of them were no offence, but I think some of them were just well. Yeah, I mean, we know that God can do miracles. We know that God can heal, and we know that He can do things. But there's also we have a brain, we have a common sense to say if you're ill, you can go get yeah. get seen. And have you ever had a confrontation with any of these guys? Actually, knowing that you have what with what you've been through. And that knowing that you're, I mean, in a conversation, you're saying that, that a lot of ethnic minorities are too shy to stand up and talk about it. They just carry on with things. And maybe and mm. you say it's too late. But have you ever had a confrontation with any of these guys at all? So far, I haven't had a confrontation with uh, a minister of the church. But what has happened is that when I'm speaking to different groups on Facebook, when you when you go and speak about cancer, you do get people who write. Or when someone comes to a group and says, you know, I've been diagnosed with breast cancer or any other form of cancer, uh, you begin to have people coming onto that um, platform and suggesting that they go and see a certain person that is known to cure cancer. And I have had to call that person to my inbox and have word with them to say, you are actually doing a very dangerous thing by suggesting this because you are swaying a person from the correct help that they should get. And as a Christian myself, I feel that I am in the right place to challenge such things because I, I, like I said, when I started talking about this, even when Jesus was performing miracles, there was an action before the miracle actually happened. So if, if, if Jesus turned water into wine, there had to be water available for him to do it. He didn't click his finger and the water came and then he turned it into wine. The water had to be there. Mm -hmm. So there's a process to what he's doing. If he's, he's going to give you your eyesight, he's going to mix his spit with, um, with mud and apply it onto your eyes. So there was a process to that. Mm -hmm. So uh, my 
my argument and my suggestion is that we should not let anything come between the, the, the intelligence that God gives us and the life that we can have from accessing appropriate treatment. Um, and th- th- there are many, many people who have been made to believe that a person can walk away from treatment and be all right. But what we try to understand, to make people understand, is that you need to understand that cancer has stages. Mm-hmm. Cancer has grades. So sometimes when a person's cancer is diagnosed very early, it might take quite a while before they're quite poorly. Um, and when, when that person is prayed for, and they carry on for another three years, and they seem okay. People think that that person is cured, but they don't know that that cancer is still in the body, mm-hmm. and it's it's still working its way around the body. Have you so, have you actually met any? Have you seen the the effects of somebody who's been prayed for but end up from stage two to stage four cancer? Uh, yes but end up losing their life. Have you seen that effect? Yes, I have. I have. And and this is, you'll be surprised that it's not even just in, my, my, my biggest experience with that, with that is actually in Zimbabwe. But you'll be surprised that right here in the United Kingdom where we've got the NHS and where people can get treated, we have people who have shunned treatment in favor of just prayer and they have lost their lives when they started panicking after a while to say, okay, maybe this is not actually helping me, um, they, they, they then started seeking treatment and it's too late. So what we are advocating for is that in prayer and faith, we must understand that God is providing us with access to treatment. Mm-hmm. And if, if obviously, if you are in a place where it's really expensive and, and it's, it's, it's really hard to get that treatment, instead of just giving up and saying, well, I'm just going to, 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 to pray without actually taking any other action, I think people should learn to reach out to other platforms to seek help. And it takes me to that argument again, <coughs> excuse me, where I believe that church ministers with the amount of money that we've seen being made in certain churches, mm-hmm. should actually start intervening by paying for people's treatment or by building oncology centers to address such issues. There is a lot. Yeah, there's some of the bigger churches that are more for the, I should say, maybe the, I think it's more like this, I remember the name is Christ Embassy, and there's like there's a lot of these big Pentecostal churches, there's money flowing left, right and centre through them and a lot of them do and obviously the Pentecostals I mean for me I'm not a major fan of the Pentecostal it's hit or miss and I do find that some of it is a bit it's more shouty and you go in and you just you come away learning absolutely nothing because of this and the audio is always so rubbish it's just crap and then the day is I think they did, uh, so right, and, and people just get too sucked in. In the days, if you're going to go to church, you're going to go to learn something. You're going to hear. You want to be able to hear the, what they're talking about, 
and hear the singing and not end up coming away going, right, what the heck did you just talk about? Because you just shouted and your microphone's so rubbish. Uh, and the the way they fleece their congregations is, I think that's why this is so silly. And while these guys are standing up, the main guys and the heads of them are standing in fancy suits and fancy cars and private jets. Mm-hmm. And I go, excuse me, you've got more money coming out your bleep uh, than, and these people are suffering. Uh, why can't you dip? You've got, I mean, do you really need all this stuff? I mean, I mean, some of it is just drive. I mean, big mansions and like, okay, Benny Hins and your Joel Osteens and all that, you know, complete and utter con And they just, sorry, I'm, that's, my, that's my thought, my opinion, my people might disagree with me. But at the end of the day, is they've got more money, they should be putting money into these people to help them get treatment or maybe they're struggling with bills. Because when you've got cancer, mm. you, you can lose your job, you struggle to fix your work if you've got a job. What are you going to do? How are you going to pay your bills? How are you going to pay your mortgage? Um, they've got money. A lot of them have got money. Listen here, psh, there we go. I'll pay pay for it, you know. So, um, I think I understand what you're saying, and it's just it's beyond belief. It, it, it is such a big problem, Fraser, because um, I I believe that before you can before you can actually feel blessed enough to live a luxurious life, there should be an extent of giving back. Just like people like myself and many other people that have survived and have embarked on a journey to help others are giving back in that sense, you know, um, you know, a simple thing, a simple thing like writing simplified information so that people understand what treatment entails is is a lot in terms of helping cancer patients because a lot of people fear the words that they hear, the big words that they hear. And in in, in my country, certainly, radiotherapy translates into being burnt. So they use the word being burnt. So when someone is being told that you're going to have radiotherapy, in in our local language, they're being told that you're going to be burnt. And their imagination goes to a process that is totally different from the process of radiotherapy. So actually having literature that explains to people what those processes are. Um, I think you, you, you saw me doing a video on, on Facebook quite recently yeah. when I was talking about my sister who's just been diagnosed with breast cancer yeah. and, um, and how that was, well, it wasn't even broken to her. I had to break it to her. Right. But she was sitting in this hospital for two hours waiting for a doctor to come so that they could read her results to her. And that doctor never turned up. Two hours later, she was told she had to go home and come back the following day. Now, can you imagine what happens to that person when they leave that hospital and they go into their community and see people who just read and, and, and just interpret what they think? what that person has to go through. Um, so we want to encourage people who are more enlightened while being here to to help people back home in their countries as, as well. This is why we are so keen to work also within the ethnic minority communities because it helps to extend the knowledge that we are acquiring um, to, to, to our home countries because this cancer is ravaging everywhere. It's not just in the UK. It's everywhere. 
and and also it it helps because you you asked me before if I've come across people who have actually um, been in danger of not seeking treatment on time. Yes, I I have come across those people, and it's people back home that say to them, look. Come here, there's somebody who can give you uh, certain medicines or whatever. And sometimes they've probably started treatment. They're probably in the first stage of treatment. And they access all sorts of herbs. And we all know that all the herbs in the world have medicinal properties. They do have medicinal properties in them. But here is where the complication comes. If, if I'm taking medication conventional medication from the hospital, mm -hmm. and my auntie sends me a parcel via DHL of some sort of herb that she has known all her life, and I take that concurrently with my medication, I don't know the interactions that are going to happen exactly. with that. So it, it triggers a whole lot of other complications. And meanwhile, the doctors don't know what I'm taking. They think that it's a treatment that's not working, but meanwhile, I'm taking something else. And then you have churches that are giving some sort of water, some sort of oils that they're giving for people to take. Again, we don't know what's happening. We don't know where this water is coming from. We don't know what's in this water, this holy water. We don't know what's in this holy oil that you are being asked to take home and, and just take. We, you are trusting someone because they are coming from the angle of being a church minister. But you, you, I'm not trying to uh, demonize any church, mm -hmm. but I'm just asking people to be careful. Yeah, because they need to, to yeah. think about what they are doing because um, cancer is something that is within your body. When you are dealing with people who are doing scans and x-rays and everything, they're dealing with things that they can see. And they know that if they do this, they'll be able to do this. If, if people have died of cancer, most of the time it's because we, we've been diagnosed late. So our chances, the prognosis will be poor. So you, you haven't died because uh, God couldn't do a miracle. You've died because... It's, it's something that is in your body. It's already got into certain places. And if we have that understanding, we will be able to, to, to view treatment and, and cancer journeys as a journey that you can understand and respond to as it happens. What we're going to do, I'm sure we could talk so much more, and we are over time, but what we're going to do is I'd like to talk... I'm going to play a quick song and I'd like you to talk about the, the upcoming event you have uh, coming up and where people can then, where people can find you uh, and your, we will have all the links uh, from your, your blog and where people can contact you uh, if you're, if you know somebody who's got cancer or maybe if you've been listening to this and you are part of an, a church uh, of ethnic minority and you know somebody who's in a situation that they think they're doing the right thing by getting prayed for and that kind of thing, healing, and they're not getting any medication, please, so we can direct them and make sure they get medication because God is pro-life and not, again, not he doesn't want you know, yeah. life is yeah. not to be de dead yet uh, until your time is actually right. Um, and we just want you to reach out to these people but before 
we could probably talk a lot longer and time is and uh, is kind of against us but we're going to play one more song we will find out a bit more of the event coming up where people can find you and I think we could, I think in the future once we've had the event uh, you've had your event I should say uh, we can we do come back and do a little bit of a, a part of mini part two to this and maybe you can talk a bit more and stuff that you may not have touched on in, in this in this first interview uh, and um later on so let's uh, I was going to say put it up beat a bit but it is Saturday uh, just a quick shout out to our contributors to our show I was going to play some of their, jing- their, their jingles but I think with the topic uh, uh, I will do it next time but uh, um, a shout out to EileenSmith.com uh, who does basic blog tips and also lots of talks about how to create a podcast and you can go to EileenSmith.com that's I-L-E-A-N-E um, you've got the Guy R. Cook report that's GuyRCook.Podbean.com the guy, uh, you can find him um, you just type in the, the guy, just type in Guy R. Cook and you'll find him he's a, a contributor, contributor to our podcast and vice versa Um We've got Little Beaches, which is Donald Brandt. He's a designer clothing label. You can design your own swimwear, your beachwear. Uh, if you're going on holiday and you, you want to look cool, you go to littlebeaches.com and you can design your own uh, wear if you want to go to the beach uh, or whatever else you, you want to do. And it's all quite cool. Um, we've also got Four Humanities, which is Shannon Griffin, who we spoke about earlier on the show. Uh, regarding, um, she is a T-shirt design company. If you just type in four, the number four, and it's Humanities, as in with T's at the end, like T-shirts. Um, got uh, CardioAdvisor.co.uk, EdinburghDusters.co.uk, and Ideas Go Live. Uh, so you can uh, get into, these are our contributors to the show. Um, so we'll come back after when we lift it up song and we'll come back with uh, um, Caroline and she'll tell us exactly where we can find her and all the information uh, and we want to say shout out to everybody who's listening and thank you if you have been listening and uh, it's been appreciated for the support you give us and let's uh, help just raise awareness for cancer uh, wherever you are it doesn't matter if it's breast cancer uh, it can be any type of cancer um anything want to stamp it out so we'll be back uh, after Flashdance Irene Cara Thank you The music does 
Buxom Live Radio. Edinburgh, Scotland's number one inspirational station. And welcome back to Hatchet and Ramsey Nation Podcast Show on HatchetOnLive.co.uk. We've just had a, a very, uh, how do you say, it, inspiring show um, tonight talking about cancer and a guest co host, Caroline Zamano. Regard uh, talking about her experience with uh, having breast cancer and the stuff that she's gone through through treatment, chemotherapy, radiotherapy, and just the coming out of it a survivor. And we couldn't be more grateful. Um, but Caroline's going to now tell us about the event that she has coming up and where people can find her. Um, and as I say, we want to keep her sister in prayers, um, her thoughts. And, ho- and hopefully that she can be the same, uh, be added to that survivor list and we can get through this. And it's difficult that she's in Zimbabwe um, and it's not easy when she's not local and she can get the treatment here and hopefully things will work out for the best and she will be, yeah, she will get through this tough time. It's, it can't be easy being uh, so far away and not being able to help 100%. So we just ask uh, for your thoughts and prayers for Caroline's um, sister as well. So, Caroline, tell us um, where you can be found and tell us about the event that's coming up and uh, what's going to be happening. Right. Thank you, Fraser. Now we, we are talking the other side um, of life because life is believing. So this event, apart from um, continuing to raise uh, awareness, is a night to meet up and have fun because we, we, we have life. So it is happening in Dartford, Kent, and that is down south, obviously, southeast of England, on the 26th of May, 2018, at a place called the Mick Jagger Centre, the Mick Jagger Centre. And um, at the moment, you will find us on Facebook, um, Tim Carroll. Um, Team Carol Arise for Life. That is the page Team Carol Arise for Life. Or certainly you can find me on my own personal page, which is Caroline Chifamba Zimano. Caroline Chifamba Zimano. And all the communication is happening there. We are highlighting, you know, the speakers and what is going to be happening on the night. And people can buy tickets for £25 for um, an experience of music, um, inspirational talks, um, awareness on cancer, and also an absolutely wonderful night out, and a meal and a drink. That's £25 on Eventbrite. Eventbrite, and the cut-off date for that is the 20th of May, a week before the event we cut off because we want to avoid oversubscription. It's it's an absolutely wonderful night that is being prepared for people to just have the experience of a lifetime. Fantastic. So we will have all of Caroline's links uh, in the show notes um, after the show. And so you can listen to this as a podcast afterwards. Uh, if you listen to this again in the replay, uh, you'll hear what I'm saying. Uh, regarding you can where you can find us, uh, so we'll be able to hear the replay of Caroline um, on the podcast, and hopefully, if if it's been inter- touching to you, if you know that you've had somebody who's been affected by cancer, uh, unfortunately they've not survived, or if they have, thankfully they have survived. I mean, get in touch. I'm sure there's somebody to talk to. Get in touch with Caroline. I'm sure she'll be happy to chat to you. Uh, just to be our 
a friendly voice at the other end of a phone or to chat if you're listening to somebody to talk to. If you are going through cancer at present, please reach out to people, reach out to somebody and make sure that you do not get left behind and end up with stage 4 cancer and basically with a, not knowing if you're going to live or die, which is the hard facts. Um, and especially when it comes to stage 4. I also want to give a shout out to a guy called James Whale who is a, a radio, broad, radio podcast broadcaster in the UK uh, for many years and his wife of 50 years was recently diagnosed with stage 4 cancer uh, and we just want to get our thoughts out to him uh, at this moment or should we going through treatment at present depending on what's going on there uh, so if you are suffering from cancer please reach out to anybody if you think you have a problem go get it checked and don't leave it till the last minute uh, just or reach out to Caroline speak to somebody um, so Caroline leave us with a closing message and thank you for being a part of the show thank you for telling your story thank you for uh, hopefully we can get you on again in the future um, and please give us a closing statement to wrap up this evening um, thank you so much, Fraser, for having me. It's, it's been an absolutely um, lovely one hour in the bit. Um, everybody out there, cancer is real. When it comes your way, show it that you are strong because it comes with an intention. It's got a mind. It's got an intention. But the more familiar you become with it, the more it can't take away everything from you because you're ready for it. Thank you so much for having me tonight. And together we can fight cancer. We can. So please uh, touch base with the Caroline and get in touch with the show. I'll happily pass our details on uh, and where you can find her. Well, thank you again. Thank you for everyone listening to wherever you are. Give a shout out to Shannon, Tammy, uh, obviously the owners of all uh, and Jude who run, the, who run the Heart Song Live. Uh, we have got the anniversary coming up of Heart Song Live um, in a few weeks. We've also got Engage, the next, the second part of Engage uh, this year. It's uh, from that, well, not second part, I should say, last year, the second, uh, another year in a row in Edinburgh. Uh, many artists. We've also got Muiwa, uh, who's going to be uh, part of the show, and also there is, is new songs. And if you want to win up to five thousand pounds in, in a recording contract of music and photographs, and actually an opportunity to perform at Engage, get in touch with heart, go to heartsonglive.co.uk and uh, you can find out more information about that. £5,000. What would you do with £5,000 and uh, a nice wee recording uh, contract? But anyway, thank you for listening. Thank you, Caroline. Thank you to everyone out there who's, who's part of the show and supports Hearts on Live and our podcast. And uh, till, ne- till next time, we will speak to you soon. You take care and uh, bye for now. Thank you so much. Bye. bye.